hello. Welcome back to the Productize Podcast. This is Brian Castle. Thank you for tuning in today. Got a great conversation for you today. It's with my friend Matt Medeiros. Matt and I go back a couple of years, and he's kind of building a podcast and YouTube empire over there. He's a WordPress guy, web design development guy, but I think of him as the podcasting mastermind. And we really dug deep into setting up a podcast, managing a podcast, uh, planning it out, structuring it, the gear that he uses, how to monetize the podcast. We spent a lot of time talking about selling advertising for podcasts, how he packages it up in really unique ways, comparing that to his experience building membership, like paid memberships around his podcast and YouTube channels, uh, leveraging podcasts and YouTube to drive traffic and leads to his products and services. There's a whole lot there. And we also dug into some WordPress space specific stuff. So a lot of interesting, detailed more actionable advice in this one. Hopefully our audio editor here will grab all the links that we talked about. If not, you can bug me and we'll, we'll track them down for you. But there's a lot of interesting tools and tips that, that we shared here. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Matt Medeiros from the Matt Report. And you can check out all of his various products over on his site, craftedbymatt.com. Here you go. All right, I'm here with Matt Medeiros. Matt, how's it going, man? It's going well, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, so uh, you and I have known each other for a few years now, and uh, I've been on your podcast a few times. You've been on Bootstrapped Web in the past. Just been in touch. It's been it's been cool to kind of watch what you've been building. And what I'm really interested in talking to you about today is kind of your podcasting empire that you're building over there. <laughs> uh, podcasting and YouTube. Uh, you've been building quite an audience there, especially within the WordPress space, but also with a focus on business and web design and bootstrapping and kind of interested in all that stuff. But today we're really going to dig into your podcasting stuff. And I want to dig into like the technical aspects of setting up a, a podcast, like the gear, the software, how to optimize it, because you, you've done that for quite a few shows now. Um, same with YouTube. And then we'll get into the business side of how you've been able to tie all that work that goes into publishing an audience and the time at publishing content, growing the audience over time, and then actually converting that into, into business channels and revenue and sales and that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, you know, why don't we start off as, as we were talking about before, I was like, all right, I know that Matt is involved in so many different businesses and projects and, and shows and stuff. How do you describe like what you do today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, so I mean, everything is a, with the thread of WordPress through all of it, right? So uh, co-founded an agency with my father. Uh, it's a creative uh, WordPress agency. We do digital products, plugins and themes. Um, I do my podcast. That's all about WordPress. Uh, my YouTube channel all about WordPress, the speaking stuff that I do, all about WordPress. Uh, and that is the secret sauce to keeping it all, you know, even attainable and organized throughout my life. As an entrepreneur, and you and I, again, knowing each other for so long, talking about so many different aspects of business, you and I are just alike. We like to chase after things. We like to create things. It's really part of our DNA. And what keeps it all together for me. The glue is the stuff that I'm doing. It all revolves around WordPress. That's one way to balance it all. So I'm not certainly not, and I'm not even trying to compare myself, but I'm certainly not an Elon Musk where it's like cars, space, 
tunnels, right? I mean, I guess they all have uh, some thread together, but those are huge, massive verticals in all different directions. And, and I know people who, who do many different verticals in totally different directions. Um, they have a passion project and then they have their day job. And, uh, you know, it's, it's in two different directions. Uh, for me anyway, it's easy for me to get a service customer, right? Because I'm talking about WordPress all the time. I get those experiences from dealing with service customers. I turn that into a podcast. That podcast grows an audience. I get reach uh, in the WordPress space. So other people look at other agencies, maybe hire me or something like that. Um, and then it's a great foundation for products like Conductor and our themes. So it's a natural platform uh, that it evolved into. So in the way that Elon Musk is trying to bring the human race to Mars, you're just trying to help people make a living with WordPress. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, yeah. It's you know, almost the same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Uh, so I think the first place where I, or, you know, the first site of yours that I came across and, and knew you through, which is still active today, is Matt Report. Is that, like, how do you think about all your different web properties and businesses? Like, out of those, wh which ones do you spend the most time and focus on and which ones are kind of like the most significant for your business? Do you think, like, do you rank them in any certain way? I do. Um, you know, there's a, uh, a concentrated effort for me this year, uh, even though we're nearly halfway through the year, which is amazing to even say that right now. But at the start of 2017, my focus was, okay, the services side is going good. It's not going amazing. I mean, I'm not building a, you know, for folks who know the WordPress space, I'm not building a 10 up or web dev studios. I'm not trying to build a, a hundred person agency. And so for the folks who are, who are new to you, your, your service aside is Slocum Studio and you guys have been doing design and development services, especially with, with WordPress. Yeah. For like eight years, right. Co-founded that with my father. We have a small team there, but the idea was, look, I, I know that services will always be there, uh, but is not my end game. And if this year going into this year, I said, I'm going to take a sort of quote unquote step back from the services side and I'm going to focus on the podcast, which helped me grow the services agency for the last four years. And now I said, look, I'm going to I'm going to turn this into uh, a product. So I'm going to go with sponsorships, right, for the podcast, um, something that's going to take my time. The podcast takes a lot of time editing, connecting with people, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting that you're kind of focusing on the podcast this year, but you've been doing it for many years now. Absolutely. Okay, so take us through like what's the lineup of your current podcast shows that you have? Yeah, so right now it's the Report is the primary, right? And that's kind of like WordPress entrepreneurship, right? Yep, WordPress entrepreneurs, people are building businesses with WordPress, that kind of thing, agencies, and that's the primary. Uh, the secondary to that is an audio podcast called Plugged In Radio. It's also a live stream that I do on my YouTube channel. Uh, and plugged in radio is conversations with people who are building WordPress plugins. Like they demonstrate the plugin for us. That's why there's a YouTube component to that. So if somebody comes on, they can show us how to use their, their plugin. And we sort of talk a little bit about business, but it's a lot more like, who is this plugin for? Um, and then I have a co-host on that, on that show as well. And when it's just he and I, we're just talking almost like you and Jordan sort of just like, Hey, where are you at with your little side business? Where am I at with my side business? Um, and we have those sort of intimate conversations. And then the YouTube channel that goes alongside of that is very much more tutorial demonstrations, how to use these plugins and, and software. And that's just stuff that I do throughout the week. Those are the two. I, I thought there was one other one. So uh, the Matt Report also has a YouTube channel. And, I, you know, when I do like I'll do live shows with the Matt Report, some special sort of interviews or like a roundtable of people. I'll do that. What we also have a YouTube channel for the studio and that one, like going back, 
you know, five, almost five years ago now when we started that YouTube channel, <laughs> you know, I, it's one of those things where I started it and then I stopped it, but I wish I had kept it going. <laughs> so it's, which is crazy. Cause I was like, back then I was like, ah, YouTube's going to be big. And yeah, you know, I have these like random YouTube videos that I put out like years ago, five, six, seven years ago on just little random projects. And I still get either traffic coming from them or like a random comment about it from someone. It's like YouTube gets out there. Yeah. And we were, and back then, cause you know, again, when we started our agency, we started as a, my dad was a, is a photographer and a, and a videographer. So we had all these, all this equipment. Now you got to remember, this is like five, six years ago iPhones are way better than the like $6,000 DSLR cameras that we had back then. So we were creating this high-end video for YouTube, but it was just monumental amounts of editing and production that we had to do. So it was a lot of work. And that that channel has about eight to 9,000 subscribers right now. And it's just it had just become, uh, over the last few years, it has just become sort of a, a video collection for our products. So for conductor plugin, like all the videos go there, all the, you know, support videos go there, that kind of thing. There's no more sort of ongoing show there, but it's funny because people watch tutorials that we did from five years ago and they still comment and complain and they're like, this stuff is outdated. Right. Why is this, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, check the date on this. Man. Yeah. Check the date. It's like five years ago. Right. Right. Okay. So we've got your, your services, your podcasts and YouTube channels. It's kind of like your publishing side of your business. And then, of course, you have a line of products, right? So you've got some WordPress plugins, and there is also a membership community as well, right? Uh, there was. So the Matterport Mar used to have uh, a membership component, and I was just actually having this conversation with Troy Dean of WP Elevation last night. He and I started at the same time. The Matterport Pro lasted roughly about a year. Creating membership sites, very difficult. <laughs> so, so I found, uh, and it was great. Like it was one of those things where it was spaghetti against the wall. Let's see what happens. And at some, at one point I had maybe 40 or, or 50 or so paying recurring members. Uh, but you know, churn hit. That's the big thing with membership sites is churn and keeping people. Yeah. Keeping people active. And it was very much a mastermind setting. So we did it twice a month. You show up and we all just like help each other out kind of thing. And there was some structure for sure, but, um, people wouldn't come. Right. And then they would cancel and they would say, Oh, this is, this isn't doing anything for me. And it's like, well, you haven't shown up to a meeting, <laughs> you know? Uh, and that was a very difficult nut for me to crack amongst everything else. So that was phased out uh, a little while ago. So we'll dig into the business side uh, a little bit later in this podcast, but just to touch on it real quick up front. So like the ways that you've been able to monetize the podcast and YouTube channels are, and correct me if I'm wrong, so so we have advertising, which we'll dig into, and then just driving leads into your products and, and your services business. Is that? Absolutely. Yep. I also noticed that, you know, speaking of productized services, I, I also noticed like a video service that you're providing as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going uh, down the line here. Yeah, man, I go right down the line. So I did a post about that. It's called the side side hustle. And it was one of those things where when I created the uh, the tutorial channel, because, you know, uh, I don't know if you get these similar emails. You probably do for people to come on your show to talk about their product launch and da 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 all this stuff. But they don't ever want to do anything for you. They're like, hey, we're just releasing this. Share this with your audience, but we're not going to give you anything. So I took a step back going into 2017 and I said, well, how can I diversify the income? What opportunities are there? So I said, well, there'll be the big the big shiny Cadillac, which is sponsoring the Matt Report, it's the most expensive, but it's the biggest, you know, it's the biggest thing somebody can buy from me. And then I said, well, look, if you want me to t do a tutorial for you, like a blog post and a video on your product, I have to make sure I like the product first. Like I don't want some scammy WordPress plugin. It's 300 bucks for me to do 
a post and a video and a tutorial and broadcast it to my audience. For people that don't even want that, I will do a private walkthrough of your product or service and just provide it to you as a private video. And it's just me sort of doing a like a website teardown, right? Oh, Matt, check out my new website. Can you install this? This plugin doesn't make sense. It doesn't go out to my audience, so you don't get that reach. But it's only 60 bucks. And here you go, right? To be honest, that piece, I think you should charge more for that. I'm talking about the private video, like app teardown or, or WordPress plugin teardown. First of all, in the WordPress plugin space, so many plugins are just so difficult to use. And it's like they put no thought into the user experience on it. But just speaking, this is like a testimonial for you here. You gave me some really awesome feedback. I, you know, you were one of the the test users on Ops Calendar, uh, our new SaaS product, and that has a WordPress plugin piece to to connect to your calendar to your WordPress site. <laughs> and like when you gave me this note, I felt so stupid for not seeing it myself. And like you know, you told like we had we spent so much time and developer hours on developing this like really slick two way sync with WordPress and, th- and this WordPress plugin, and we did not put the link anywhere inside the application to go get the WordPress plugin. You'd have to go to like the knowledge base and go find it there. And like you were the first person to, to point that out and, and you gave me some notes on just that experience of what a WordPress user would expect to see. That alone was was worth, you know, 60 bucks or plenty more than that. So like to go through WordPress plugins as products that are going to hit the market, I think that's that's really valuable. Yeah, I had a few, uh, I think one of our mutual friends, uh, Craig Hewitt, Podcast Motor, he uh, he signed up um, and and grabbed a couple of tutorials from me. You know, it's not rocket science. So if people are out there listening to this stuff, it's like, yeah, you can do this too. It's just, you know, I've been doing WordPress for so long now, eight to 10 years, whatever the number is. I talked to so many people building plugins. Yeah. And you have this audience of WordPress users and you, and you know what they're expecting. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, a, it was what I dubbed in this blog post I did is the side side hustle. It's made me a few thousand bucks at this point. I don't massively promote it. It's just people, it's just word of mouth right now. And it's just easy enough for me to do very fitting for this show in, in terms of productized service, very easy for me to do. And it's not something that I'm like, Oh God, like how's the performance of it this month? Like, do I need to do Facebook ads for it? Maybe one day, but uh, right now, I, I just like to th- see how it performs organically. And then if I see that traction, I'll reinvest in it. I love it. So let's dig into podcasting a little bit. So we talked about you know all the podcasts that you're running today. Was Matt Report your first one that, that you did uh, a couple of years back? That was, that's how you got started with it. Yep. Yep. Uh, I was a, a big fan at the time of Andrew Warner. Um, watched all the mix- Mixergies, listened to all the Mixergies. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to do the same thing in WordPress. Today, are they season-based or ongoing? I know you've kind of gone back and forth on that a bit. That's the biggest, uh, that's been the biggest boon to the, uh, to my podcasting uh, business and uh, mental health <laughs> is putting this stuff into seasons. Uh, it was very much just week after week and just going, going, going at it. Um, and then I tried seasons, like I started calling it seasons, but it was still just me doing it every single week. Um, and then I, I pulled a hard stop back in, I think, uh, September, 2016 is when I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop recording. I'm going to take a moment to think about a story arc for a season. It's going to be season four because I had already done like season two, three ish. And, uh, I took a hard stop. And within that time I had a, people just co-host my show without me. I had people just take my airwaves, you know, people I invited on and they talked about whatever they wanted to talk about. And I turned it into seasons with a story arc. 
Um, it was much easier for me to monetize that way. It was much easier for me to edit and produce that way to a degree. And it gave uh, a little bit of a change up to my audience because after a while they burn out, right? They burn out on the same stories or the same flow. Uh, and it was a good sort of uh, little boost. And then after a month's worth of hard work on my end, they just drip out for whatever, eight weeks or whatever the, the number count is, t 10 weeks, uh, 10 episodes, 10 weeks. And it's a very hands-off thing. Once I do all that hard work in the front, it gets published and I can just take a step back and think about the next season. I really like that approach. That's actually how I did the first batch of episodes of this productized podcast. I, I treated it as a season. Um, this batch right now, I don't know that I'm necessarily making it a season. I think it'll be like an ongoing thing or at least until I <laughs> until I run out of guests and, and ideas to to get out there but like that idea of treating it like a like a one-time project and putting in all the work and like a one-month effort and then letting it drip out i remember back in i think january 2016 i spent that month maybe four four to six weeks or so recording those episodes sending them to the editor and then i had them all done by february and then i just dripped them out from like february to october of last year yeah, I mean, depending on what kind of podcast you're putting, I mean, obviously that's impossible if you're doing like industry news and you're trying to stay current. But uh, if it's much more evergreen, cornerstone content, yeah, it's a great, it's a great strategy. And then the other thing that I like about that is you can put more effort into planning it. Like you said, with the story arc, you can gather a you know a series of guests that make sense to go together and that sort of stuff. And from the monetization standpoint, right? So the production stuff and and all that is definitely a bonus. Uh, but when it comes to monetizing, there's, believe it or not, there's a ton of WordPress podcasts. I mean, there's probably almost 20 different WordPress podcasts out there for such a small audience in, in, in the grand scheme of things. So when it comes to monetizing, I have to be very careful to make sure that the Mariport brand is perceived as valuable, right? I mean, it's good content consistent with a solid sort of trusted voice and with so many people jumping into the game and then jumping out because they realize how hard it is those people dive in and they say hey i'm gonna can you give me 100 bucks an episode 50 bucks an episode and what it does is it really devalues what long-standing podcasts like myself and, and countless others can go after so when i bring a an entire series to a, a potential sponsor i can pitch them I can actually make a real pitch and say, here's my story arc. Here's the 10 guests that I already have lined up. This is how it's going to drip out. So you can kind of sell the entire season as a package. I can sell the entire season as a package. And that also means that I'm not chasing, uh, hey, I only sold four episode spots. Now I have to worry about weeks five through 10 and I have to go chase those. And then some people want one, some people want three. No, no, no. Like let's find uh, solid players that can sponsor this stuff and just sell them all 10 episodes for a bigger number. Got it. Nice. What does your production schedule look like? I mean, when you are in recording mode, are you recording every day, twice a week? What does that look like? Yeah, that is the hardest nut to crack. It's also the most important and one that I'm getting better with. Uh, it was really tough for season four. I spread it out way too much. I gave people way too much time. Uh, season five, which is out right now, halfway through, I got a little bit tighter. I gave a two-week window, um, but I'm planning season six right now, and, and I'm just going to give people a one-week window, and it's just going to be that one week. Uh, you'll probably hear my dog barking. Uh, it'll be that one week, and I'm just going to get all of the episodes done in one week and then move to production week number two and just really just drill down on being precise with that because it's such a huge time sink. And so for these seasons, is it you or is it guest hosts or... 
I'm glad you brought that up. So for season five, which is running right now, uh, the first half of the season, I hosted it like I normally do. But to give people the uh, something different to listen to in my audience, I had uh, two co-hosts interview people who are running SaaS businesses. You were one of the guests uh, on that season. I was on there. I was like, wait, where's Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I remember listening uh, listening back to all of the audio of people that, and people were like, wait, Matt's not here? <laughs> it's like, no. Um, and the idea behind that is, uh, I'm, again, trying to look at WordPress podcasting from a 50,000 foot view. I welcome more people to do it. It's a great thing. I think it makes sense. And I, I, it's actually the first time I kind of heard of that, of like bringing on guest hosts to take over series within an already popular podcast feed. In a lot of ways, it's like guest logging, right? It helps them kind of establish their names and get out there and they get exposure to your audience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also a risk. Um, you know, th- this type of content, again, the WordPress space, not a lot of people in the grand scheme of things listening to this, like a crime town podcast, a well uh, produced podcast. So I can't just launch new channels and new entire shows. There's just not enough interest for that thing yet. But what I can do is say, Hey, look, you got a, a really good idea. I'm going to interview you first, make sure you're capable of this stuff. And if I like it, I know my audience wants it and you're a good co-host, I'm going to bring you on and we can make something happen. And then who's handling like all the editing and setup and publishing and all that? So, you know, the editing is the audio editing part is still me. Um, I really tried to give that up, uh, but it just wouldn't come back uh, time and time again, still wouldn't come back to something that I thought was good enough. Um, or it was just too expensive. You know, it was just too expensive at that point. But now that we're monetized a little bit more, it's easier for me to kind of look at that as an investment. So I might move to season six. I'm not editing it. Uh, but I have a lovely lady that does all of the show notes. She does the summary. She preps it all for me in WordPress. And that has been a massive help for sure for this season. Cool. On my end, like in terms of scheduling, what I'm trying to do now with the productized podcast is I basically blocked off Tuesday afternoons. Like right now it's Tuesday afternoon and I'm recording two episodes every Tuesday afternoon. So I've got, I've got another one uh, interviewing Paul Jarvis after this today. And that way I'm just building up a backlog and I'm only going to publish them once a week, but I'm trying to record two a week. So I just continuously grow that backlog. But then my goal after that is, as people know, I try to like outsource everything else, right? So <laughs> you, I mean, you are, you're, you're the man to go to that for that. And I'm actually getting the editor on board this week. So basically, like I do spend some time before the recording, I spent about an hour or two earlier on Tuesdays to plan out the interviews for today. Like I spent some time looking into your stuff and planning these questions. And then, you know, I looked at Paul's stuff, but beyond that hour, and then this hour of recording, then I just drop it into Dropbox and I'm letting the editor take it from there, put the music on it, you know, noise reduction, audio editing, all that, publishing it to WordPress, uh, listening to what we're talking about and, and writing up the show notes, grabbing all the links, getting your picture off, off Twitter or wherever and, and putting that into the into the thing, scheduling social media posts, like putting it all together. And I've, I've got a process for them. And this is like a new, I mean, I had a, a different editor for the first batch of, of episodes for Productized Podcast. This time around, I'm redoing the music, redoing the, the structure and everything. So, you know, we're going to work out the process again and, and tr- kind of work out the kinks a little bit. But uh but yeah, like I've got so many other things going on that like I just can put a couple hours in on Tuesdays and that'll be it. Yeah, no, it makes to- total sense. Like like we talked about, you're running a services business, you've got products, you're doing these shows. Do you consider your podcasting and YouTube stuff like to be your main focus, like full-time job and you have other people working on your service and, and that stuff? Or how does that break out? 
Yeah. So again, moving into 2017, the the services, I don't want to say took a back seat, but we, we have it at a level where it's running. And you have a team there. Yeah. Right. That's that's correct. So so that that business is is going, and you know I have some the higher end clients that we have. I'll have to schedule a meeting with them every couple of weeks or something like that, just to to check in. So it's not a huge burden. But one of my plans was okay. I'm going to focus on monetizing the podcast, and I'm going to resurrect my conductor plugin and really push the marketing for that and change the messaging, have the site redone, and all that. And I did. And consequently, last month, uh, what a surprise when you actually focus on doing the marketing and messaging. Uh, I, we had our best month ever in two years, right? And that's because I had I had never had a chance to really sit down and dedicate it to until I pulled myself out of the services stuff. Um, so now that is my focus, both the podcast and the product at this point. Got it. So we're kind of jumping around here, but back into podcasting here. I want to go through your your rig, you know, like your the, the hardware, the mics, the the software. So like, why don't we start from that? Like you always like sound great and everything is produced really well. So take us through your hardware setup first. What kind of mic and everything are you using? I would say that the most important thing, and even though I don't have it perfect in here, the most important thing before the hardware is to make sure you're in a in an area that doesn't have a lot of echo, right? Because if the echo and the reverb is really bad, then uh, it doesn't matter which mic you're using. And I don't have it perfect in here. I'm still working on it. Um, so that's that, that would be number one. So don't record in a room like I'm sitting in right now. You sound fine uh, <laughs> through my headphones. That's because I'm like so close to this mic. Right. And, but like as soon as I step back, it just reverberates. Everything. Yeah. The, so when I started, I think we both had the same, because I remember you had the same mic uh, that I had, which was the Rode Podcaster. It's a white mic. It's a condenser mic. It's USB and it works really good. Uh, it's a really good mic. Um, it has a great boom, just like you see. Well, I don't know if this is going to be recorded video, but uh, you can see it anyway. There's there's a desktop boom here and it holds the mic right in front of my face. The Rode Podcaster does the same thing. And it's, I think, might be 200 bucks, 250 for the whole setup. And the nice thing about that one is that it, it is a USB. It is USB. So it goes straight in. And if you don't want that kind of, um, if you don't want that kind of setup, you don't want to invest that kind of that kind of money in the Rode Podcaster, uh, the Blue Yeti mic, which is a hundred bucks, um, and sometimes you can get it on sale even cheaper. Also USB, it's a silver mic. That mic works great for that price point. So you can go from hundred to two fifty, and the setup that you see and and hear right now is a little bit more because this is an XLR microphone, uh, the Heil PR40. Love this mic, but it's XLR and it has to plug into a into a XLR interface first, which then plugs into USB. So a mixer. So you have like a preamp or something. Yep. Tucked away down there, but it's a focus right. I think that is also like a, a buck fifty. Um, this microphone might be three or four hundred dollars. And then the focus right interface is, is USB. Is USB to the computer. Um, and I can contr- I can plug in multiple m- microphones and I can adjust the gain and, and whatnot. But the biggest difference for me anyway from going to this is I don't have to do any post production like sound of uh, enhancing my vocals or anything like that, which I would have to do uh, with my Rode Podcaster. It was just, you know, a little, a little bit tinnier. And I see you're using like a pop filter on there. Yeah, this is the pop filter that Heil makes. Um, just fits right on, right onto it. The boom arm isn't that good. This is this is also made by Heil, and I've sent complaints to them before. <laughs> uh, but for the price, it's not that good. But uh, it, it, you know, it fits the mic. And what, what are you gonna do? Yeah, what I'm using today is a Shure SM57, which 
for like vocalists, like in bands and everything, this is like the go-to mic that you see in almost every concert on stage, like for vocals. But then they, on Amazon, I also found this Shure conversion thing. I don't know if you can see it, but the... So this is an XL, XLR mic, and I don't have a, an audio interface here, but this just connects here, and, and it kind of converts it into a USB connection. And that's basically just what I'm using here. And then I've got like a desktop mic holder. I used to have the, the whole boom stand and everything. Um, but yeah, I, a couple of years ago, I I did have the Rode Podcaster. I ended up selling that off when my family did the whole traveling thing. I, I didn't need to carry that thing around. And for a little while, I was also using the Blue Yeti, which has great quality and that's a condenser mic so it's super sensitive um but that's kind of why i got rid of it as well because it just picked up the entire room whereas i find like these dynamic mics like the the sure sm57 the road uh they're a little bit closer into your face they won't pick up everything yeah yeah that's definitely the benefit there cool so so from there once it gets into your computer what what are you using there what what software so for years I used uh, Audacity, which is a free uh, audio editing software. But uh, at the start of <laughs> at the start of season four, I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it the professional way, right? I'm going to do what these professionals use, and it's probably overkill. But I use Adobe Audition, which has actually helped because now that I do a lot more with YouTube and and like 4K recording with my camera. Now that these two softwares can play well together, that's Adobe Premiere, which I use for video editing and audition. So the workflow has has been a benefit, but it's probably overkill for most people. Um, but it has a lot of great sound reduction um, plugins. Uh, it's really easy to clean up sound with Adobe Audition, which I found it a little bit more cumbersome with Audacity. But it really depends on how deep on editing you want to go. I mean, for most people, I think Audacity is a perfect fit, or GarageBand if you're on if you're on Mac. So you're not doing any sort of processing on the way in during recording. It's just going like Mike just recording the tracks and then later you you might do processing on, on the editing. Yep. Yep. And then like not to go into too deep of detail, but like what kind of stuff do you do on the editing phase? Like do you do any like noise reduction or anything like that? Um, I really, again, I, I, I don't do much. Um, you know, I might just, uh, play with the levels, right. Depending on, um, you know, because when you're recording somebody, if I don't ask them to record locally, uh, you know, if they're not used to this kind of thing and they just don't, you know, have the wherewithal to do it. Um, and I'm just recording them through Skype uh, on an interview, then, um, the levels can be off depending on what kind of microphone they have and background noise and all that stuff. So there will be some of those, adju- that adjustments that I, those adjustments that I make, but also sometimes I am, you know, depending on my schedule, depending on my son, <laughs> if he's awake and, and crying, uh, I might have to get a little bit deeper into that editing or I might record at the co-working space that I go to sometimes to which I will bring my blue Yeti. So sometimes the sound is off a little bit and I'll spend a little bit of time in there editing stuff. Very cool. Okay. So editing and then you export it out as a, as an MP3, right? Yep. Export it out as an MP3. I do. And, and you do any like tagging on the MP3? You know, I don't. I don't. Um, you know, I, I never actually read about any of the benefits of it uh, or anything. Um, but I like to change up the intros every season, um, do a different kind of intro. It's usually the same thing, but it's just a different sort of take on it. I always like to switch up the music. Um, so I'll do a lot of that. I'll do that music introduction. And for me, the way I do the, my ad reads for my podcast is there's the introduction to the podcast. Then there's a 30 second ad read uh, with a different jingle and then there's my intro and this is probably why i haven't outsourced this yet i do an intro i guess i could figure out a way to make it a little bit more (laughs) easy to do this but i'll listen to the episode again and then i'll do my thoughts on it right i'll introduce the, the introduce the show another ad read then the show 
and then the outro, which is another jingle. And it's me just saying, thanks for listening. Please rate me on iTunes. I mean, that's kind of similar to what I'm doing here, except I don't have ad reads. Um, I just do the interviews. And then immediately after the interview, I record the intro to kind of, because it's kind of fresh in my mind and like, here's what we talked about. And then here's my conversation. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So the MP3 ready to go. You put all those extra pieces in place, like the intro and the ad reads and everything. Publishing. What is the process for publishing your podcast? Like, do you go straight to a WordPress post or how does that work? Yeah, that's one I definitely want to get. I want to get better at. Again, I used to have an editor, uh, like an audio editor, and he used to prep the uh, show by uploading it to my WordPress site and having that ready for me. And then I would go in and, and do my blog post summary. But now I also distribute on SoundCloud as well. So I'll take those MP3s. And because I release it as a sort of a Netflix style season, which means everybody can access the season if they want to listen to it all on SoundCloud, which I also have embed it. Right. So you, you drop it all out at once instead of... I drop it all out at once on SoundCloud because um, I can embed that on my WordPress site. It's got a cool little player and people can just listen to it whenever they want. Uh, and then on iTunes, it gets uh, episode gets one episode every week for the whatever, however many episodes I have, 10, 10 to 12. Okay. So you publish it all at once first to SoundCloud and then you do drip it out weekly to iTunes. That's correct. Yep. And the way that you send it to iTunes is through your WordPress feed? Yep. Yep. So I use I use a service called, um, I think it's called Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. It's the PowerPress plugin for WordPress. And they have um, a hosted service. So in my WordPress blog post, which is also my, my podcast, I upload that file there. It sends it to their service and that feeds my iTunes feed. That's what I've been using as well for the hosting and distributing the uh, podcast, both for this one and for Bootstrapped Web. Um, and it, it works. It does the job. Been a customer for you know a couple of years now, but man, I hate that Blueberry service. Like, <laughs> every time I log into it, it's just the ugliest, most difficult interface to use. Yeah. And like fi- finding stats and like updating my credit card for the account. Like I couldn't, it took me like a week to find that. And like... <laughs> I, I will say that, yes, it's it, their interface, their plugin, the plugin's pretty big. There's a lot of options, you know, but it's serving a lot of services, Google Play, iTunes, all that stuff. The interface on their website's long in the tooth, but their service, at least for me, their support has been great. Like I've asked them a lot of questions one time and they were really there to help me. So I, I have good things to say about their support, but yeah, their interface a little long in the tooth. <laughs> So it goes out to SoundCloud first and then drips out to iTunes. You use Blueberry for hosting and and distributing it there. You also get it out to Stitcher? I do. Yep. Uh, There's a Stitcher feed uh, that it goes through. And and again, all the SoundCloud stuff is is manually uploaded. If I do a live show, it's sort of just the inverse where it gets sent up to YouTube, saved in YouTube as a video format, and then I download that, turn it into audio, and then do the same process all over again. And then how about like transcripts? This is something that I've gone back and forth on over the years. And I usually have not done that or, or not invested in, in having them done. Do, how, do, how do you handle like show notes and or transcripts? Yeah, I mean, it gets pretty pricey. I don't do them for the show notes, right? Because when you really think about it, you know, for the monet- level of monet- monetization that I do, again, only being in the WordPress space, you know, if you had everything firing all at once, if you had an audio editor that you sent this out to and he or she charged, I don't know, 30 to 50 bucks an episode. If you have a copy editor, somebody who's listening and doing show notes, that's 30 to 50 bucks. If you're doing transcriptions, 
Um, it's a dollar a minute, right? If you use rev.com uh, and you upload your videos there, that could be a hundred bucks, right? If it's a 60 minute or excuse me, 60 to, um, 60 to an hour and a half. I mean, you're talking from $60 to a uh, hundred bucks. I mean, that's like two two fifty <laughs> an episode. And like people talk about, like people talk about the benefit being like SEO, like all that text content that goes into the post. I mean, I kind of hear that, but I don't, I don't know that I totally buy that anymore. I mean, yeah. Like, yes, it's a lot of words on the page from a 60 minute conversation, but that's not necessarily good content to surface in search results for something. Right. So sort of how I've leveraged transcriptions is with my YouTube channel. If I'm doing like a, I sort of do like a vlog style piece of content every now and again while I record my camera here in the, in the office uh, studio. If it's like eight to 10 minutes of like, boom, solid piece of advice or like, you know, five steps to X, Y, Z, I'll transcribe that and turn that into a blog post, right? That way, instead of me sitting down and writing a blog post, I can say, okay, here's the video and here's the transcription of this eight minute video. It's only eight, it only cost me $8. And at least there's some copy on the page, <laughs> you know, uh, to go along with the video. And it's like, it's consumable and it's actually useful, you know, and I've heard of people who like to read the transcripts of podcasts. I don't understand those people, but those people are out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, those, like power readers, like I, I, you know, I mean, I, you know, I love reading, I love, I read a ton of articles, but I can't read a podcast conversation. It's interesting. So Okay, cool. So that I think that's like the podcast side of it. Now let's let's dig into YouTube a bit here. So for every show that you do, are you always recording video and do you always kind of cross post it to YouTube or only select shows? How does that work? Only select shows. So certainly on the Matt Report, I only do you know what I call uh, special reports on the Matt Report as live shows, and those will stay on my YouTube channel. And then again, if I do some kind of vlog style content, I'll obviously leave it on on YouTube. For plugged in radio, what we try to do because that is primarily a live show because we're we're sometimes we're actually demoing our own favorite WordPress plugins just to show people how to use them. And obviously, very visual. I use a piece of software, and this is only on Windows called XSplit. X, like the letter, and split. Um, but there's another free open source one that works on both Mac and Windows called OBS, Open Broadcast Studio. And what that does is allows you to live stream to uh, your YouTube live account and Facebook live at the same time. And probably, there's probably a Periscope add-on in there. Uh, if not, it, it'll probably come soon. And so you do that like pretty frequently? Infrequently, because my co-host Joe just just had a baby and uh, he's been pretty wrapped up. I've been pretty wrapped up, um, but we are going to get back on on track with the schedule. But there's probably about thirty ish episodes of that uh, on YouTube.com/slash Plugin Tut, and uh, that's how we do that. So when you do that, I mean, I know that you've you've built a, a pretty solid audience at this point, but is that audience in like a Facebook group? And like, are they tuned into the live stuff or how does that work? Yeah. So great question. Um, I broadcast it to just my Facebook page, right? So the, the, the people there uh, that have already, you know, like the page will, will see it. Anybody who's subscribed to the YouTube channel, they'll see that, you know, they'll get the notification. And of course I tweet it out and, and sort of do a little ramp up to that. I haven't really used like the Facebook live and, and YouTube live stuff at all. Like, is, is there like a, a chat that comes with that or how does that work? With YouTube Live, there's a there's a chat box, and with these pieces of software, like I know uh, specifically with XSplit, I can overlay. I haven't done it yet, but it's something that I'm working on. Uh, I can overlay the chat uh, onto my 
uh, onto my screen. So this is the same software that like video game streamers use, right? That's how I found it, right? I just like looked at like how these video gamers are so damn popular and how they grow an audience. Like I spent a lot of time observing these people and how they do their setups and how they engage with their audience. And I looked at how they, what software they use and they use this, this software and it has all the community interactions in it. People can vote for things. They can do all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and if you're looking to monetize your YouTube channel, YouTube just launched a, I forget, I think it might be called, it might be super fan or something like that, where people can throw you some money right in the chat and then their chat gets highlighted. So this is really useful when there's like hundreds of people talking at one time and people want to get attention because it sticks to the top and it's highlighted a different color, but it's a way for them to donate to you five bucks, 20 bucks, whatever the number is that they want to put in. So yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> you could you could just be on like a YouTube channel, and be like, "All right, people, pay me right now." Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you could. Cool. So, how about optimizing YouTube? And this is something that I like. Right now, I'm actually recording not as part of the podcast, but separately, I'm recording some some videos to go up on YouTube, and I'm trying to make that a weekly habit as well. You know, recording two videos a week, and then again, I'm going to hire a video editor to get them all up on YouTube at some point. Right now, they're just sitting on my hard drive. But, you know, I, I want to be more strategic about it and actually grow a YouTube subscriber base and optimize for search results, but also optimize for consuming and driving people back to my site. And like, these are the kind of the things that I'm thinking about, but I don't really know what the best practices are yet with, with YouTube, even though it's such an old platform, but it's, it's like more relevant today than ever. How, how are you thinking about like optimizing your YouTube channel basically? Yeah. So it's actually one of those things where if you spend time in, especially in learning how to optimize, YouTube is a massive network but it's, it's also one of those things where it's so big, but really it's so small at the same time because like all of these big YouTube players, they all know each other, right? There's, it's almost like the WordPress space, but not as loving, <laughs> uh, but it's almost like the WordPress space when you get to the top of, of YouTube. But the biggest thing that I found was this, uh, plugin, uh, it's a Chrome add on or a Firefox add on, uh, however you want to install it called tube buddy, uh, like YouTube buddy, TubeBuddy.com, And, um, that has really helped my workflow. It allows you to like copy and paste common tags that you want to use. And if you want to always put like your share links in the description, you can just hit one button and it just populates everything for you. And we're going to try to get all these links in the show notes of this episode. So, And that has all of the, I mean, you can pay for their subscription, which might be like a hundred bucks a year and you can get all the stats and like what performs well and how long people are watching your content for all that kind of thing. But the one thing it does for free, which is great, is it'll actually give you a rough ranking of the tags that you use in your video. So really the e an easiest thing to do is like if you find somebody that's got like, I don't know, 100,000 views of a topic that you want to talk about with TubeBuddy Active, you can look at their video and see what tags they used and then see what tags they ranked for. And then you can sort of re reverse engineer that and say, okay, well, if this person hasn't updated this video in like a year, two years, because that's very common, can you go after those same tags, you know, with relevant content? And then it's really just the same thing. It's keywords in the title, it's keywords in the description, you know, and that has been the, the best performance stuff that, I, that I've been able to find. So typical optimization of the title and description content, that, that would make sense. Um, but tags are really important on YouTube. And it's not just like coming up with a tag that makes sense for your content. It's also figuring out like what's actually ranking. 
what's actually ranking. I mean, obviously Google is super smart. And if you're just like, it's just no different than like meta tags. Like if you start like throwing in, I don't know, like Casey Neistat into your, into your tags, right. Who's a very popular YouTuber, mm-hmm. but you're talking about like, I don't know, uh, op, you know, image optimization is not going to rank for you. Right. <laughs> so they're, they're pretty smart at that. And there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes right now at YouTube in terms of monetization. Um, I've seen my, like everybody else, I've seen my ad revenue start to trickle down a little bit in terms of advertisements that run on my videos. Um, it's a r- real big thing going on. You're talking about like your YouTube-based advertising, like the ads that YouTube shows and pays you for. Yeah, the native advertising. Yep. Got it. Is that significant? Like, uh, You know, I'm a guy who likes to diversify and uh, I like to build revenue from wherever I can. Um, and when you tie... But I mean, are we talking about like a couple dollars, a couple hundred couple hundred, dollars, couple hundred dollars a month? Yeah. Oh, wow. And how many views or how many, like, what's the metric that you look at? Views or subscribers or... The metric is really the um, the time, I forget what the exact word, but it might be time watched uh, or the average time viewed or something like that. It's all about how long people watch your videos for. Yeah, actually, that's a tip that I heard recently, which I thought was interesting. I actually hadn't thought about this, but it's actually better to have longer videos generally, to, to have more time on each video. I think the go-to advice traditionally, it used to be like, you know, cut them into short consumable two minute videos. And that might be good for like a marketing explainer video on your homepage. But if you're trying to really put out content on YouTube, it's such like YouTube is a scary place, right? (laughs) I mean, you can't please everybody on YouTube. It's one of the hardest things. Um, you know, especially if you're somebody who's just starting out, I mean, I, I had somebody just come and leave the, <laughs> like, I don't know, they came and made fun of me yesterday about one of my videos that, I, and it's just like, you have to take this stuff with a grain of salt. But the problem is, is when you do tutorial or informative based videos, people just want the information like that, right? They just want the information. But all the while, Google or YouTube wants long form videos, right? They want people to watch more. So it's such a hard balance for those of us in the sort of tutorial and education space versus if you're a video gamer. People will watch you literally for hours on end, right? And that just makes your average time go through the roof. Then I I guess there's also a piece of you want to optimize the first couple of seconds of your content, right? Like you want to kind of tease out like this is what you're going to learn in this video or this is my guest that I have on today, like right in the first few seconds to to keep them. It's just like catching someone with a headline. You, you You want them to keep reading down the page. You want them to keep viewing your video. You got to have some personality to uh, perform well on YouTube um, and you have to show your face. <laughs> you have to show your face. It's it's crazy, but that's how people form that that connection with you, good or bad. And you also have to some, have some personality. My brother runs a membership site for uh, stock trading, almost like day trading. He does a really well on YouTube. And then all of a sudden, this guy came out of nowhere sort of talking about the same things that he was talking about. But my brother's very analytical. He's teaching you how to make money, when to make these trades, all kinds of charts. And this guy comes along with like a small little whiteboard. He's literally dancing around the room talking about the trades. And his subscribers go through the roof, right? 10x. The Gary V of stock yeah. trading. And my brother's like, look at this. How is this guy doing so much more YouTube performance than me? And it's just like, because he's a personality. Not that you're not, but you're very analytical and it's very driven to that monetization point he is like talking about why he wants to sell apple right and people are just like feeding into it it's crazy Mm. all right so you know before we kind of wrap up here let's let's come back to the business side of all this right so you talked about selling advertising is is that kind of the primary revenue stream that that comes directly from doing audio podcasts and video on youtube for you right now 
Yeah. So for the live show on, on the YouTube channel, I sell sponsorship spots on that at a smaller price point than the Matt Report, you know, and it's a great way for me to sort of price anchor. And on that one, like that one's about plugins and you're kind of interviewing that. So is it the plugins themselves, like those guys and, and girls doing that? Like, do they pay you to be on the show or is it like other plugins that are sponsoring the show? Other plugins that are sponsoring it, right? So like right now, Restrict, Restrict Content Pro sponsors our live show and that's a membership plugin. He, um, you know, I just read it. And because I use that software, the XSplit software at the, the lower third of the video, it's his ad or his logo is there the entire time. Um, so when you see us talking or even demonstrating other plugins, there's visuals to that all the time. Do you offer exclusive sponsorships or do you have multiple sponsors or how does that work? Yeah. I mean, with, with again, uh, the, our flagship product is uh, the Report sponsorship that is limited. I try to get it down to two per season, right? Because I split season five into two halves, there's four, two and two but that's probably the max I'll ever go. Same thing with plugged in radio. I only hold two spots for people. And again, I try to get them into a 60 day contract um, because the publishing is a little bit more fluid. It's not as, you know, static as, as the merit port doesn't have as big an audience as the merit port. So I just do things slightly different when I'm, when I'm talking to sponsors and it's a great price point anchoring when people come to me again, I can say flagship, uh, middle of the road, one-off video tutorials or that private video service. So I have a nice little waterfall effect when people... So I, like the way that you've packaged it, I think is really smart because I think that goes a little bit beyond just the typical, I'm going to expose you to X number of listeners for X dollars. Are sponsors looking to understand like how many listeners per month or downloads per episode you get? Is that how they're figuring out their ROI or something? I could, I could say two things. So I think if I were in any other space, I'd be laughed at with the money that I ask for, <laughs> right, uh, per listener. Um, the WordPress space is very special where it's a tight-knit community. A lot of the stuff has to do with the person recommending it and how much they trust somebody, the professionalism, all that stuff. And I, I, don't, I don't say that toot my horn or anything like that, but that's how it works. No, it totally makes sense. It's a niche community. And if you're going to market a niche product, you have to go where those people are. And if they're on these niche podcasts. And second, as a product owner myself and somebody who has been asked to sponsor, like say word camps for thousands of dollars for just, you know, a, a mention at the top of the keynote opening, you know, as somebody who has, has been, you know, I've got, I've shipped out my conductor reviews to other sites for like three, $400 to have somebody do a guest post. And like that post lasts a day and then it, boom, it just goes right through the content farm and there's the next person. Um, I really look at it as somebody who has a product and say, God, I just want somebody who is going to talk about my product really darn well, value that, um, and have an audience that cares about it too. Right. So that's how I've sort of come at it that way. Yeah. And I think just the value of sponsoring podcasts in general I guess this goes across all podcasts. Maybe some do it a little bit differently, but you get it for life. Like once the sponsorship spot is there, it's going to be there for life. And, you know, I think about like the people who sponsored like early episodes of podcasts that went on to be huge. <laughs> it's like, talk about like ROI for those, you know, because like, they get plenty of listeners who just go back to episode one and listen all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> It's intimate advertising too. I mean, if you are, you're in the car, you're running or you're at the gym or at the grocery store, um, you know, you're, you're probably less likely to skip ahead 
or you know bypass an uh, an advertisement an ad read if you're somebody that doesn't like them. I think most podcasts do it fairly tastefully, um, though. If- and, and that's something too. Like, how do you get around that, or do you even get around it? Like, just people skipping ahead. I mean, I do it all the time as a listener. I especially the podcasts who bunch all their sponsorships up front and in the very beginning. Like, I get the value of that, but. As a repeat listener, you know that all their ads are there, so I just skip ahead to like minute three. You know, I guess you just have to be a good ad, an, a good ad read, uh, and you know, inevitably you're you're not going to capture everybody. But like a Tim Ferriss, there's literally like eight minutes of advertisements up front. That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> WTF too, it's right up front. You know, yeah, and I do. I I found myself hitting forward, so I just said I tell my my advertisers, my sponsors, I say, look, it's it's going to be thirty to forty five seconds max. I come up with the ad read, you know, I try to make it fun, uh, you know, music in the background. It's not just like a jarring, like cut and, you know, break. And so you don't do break, like you don't do the ad in the middle of the show? I don't do it in the middle of the show. I get them, I get them uh, one in the intro and one right before the show starts. Right in the middle of those two ads is my intro dialogue. So, I mean, I'm sure it happens, but. And anything that you're plugging for yourself, like review this podcast or check out Conductor, that kind of comes at the end? Uh, Yeah. Yep. And I'll bring it up. Like when we have conversations, like, again, this, this goes back to the, the personality of a podcast. Like if you have to respect your sponsors too, like you have to thank, you know, the heck out of your sponsors. You got to thank the heck out of your audience because it's, it's money that people are parting with to sponsor you. And it's time that people are investing to listen to you. So you, you have to respect that and do it right. Right. Throughout, throughout the show. Yeah. I mean, have you ever thought about going back to the membership stuff at, at least just to monetize like some of the content like you could do like pay to get the live feed and then subscribers get it later, that that sort of stuff? You know, like uh, like you, like I'm always like toying around with these different ideas. And, and actually, I just listened to this on your podcast where you said, look, I'm thinking about doing a small membership of like four or five people. Like I was in the same, like I was thinking the same thing as you. Like I've been mentoring a lot of people in a local uh, startup accelerator here where I am. I'm just seeing what these people go through. And all the stuff I've dealt with with memberships before, and I just feel like saying, "Look, you have to pay me two thousand bucks, but I will be there for you for sixty days or whatever the number is, and we're gonna hammer through things." That's the thing. I was talking to a couple guys at at, uh, at MicroConf about this who run either memberships or some coaching programs, and they're like, "That's the thing. All sort of content-based membership." products or coaching products have churn like way higher than a typical SaaS or retainer service or whatever because it's just it's kind of the nature of it like they at a certain point their coaching students the members are going to progress themselves to a point where like we just don't need it anymore or they're just not interested in it anymore or the content kind of runs out like it's just natural they're going to churn out so the best way to do it is to build in the lifetime make it a six-month program or a 12-month program and build in the content so that or, or the plan for them to go through this program and like at the end of the six months like they're supposed to churn out or you know like it's intended for there to be a start and a finish you might as well build in the six-month lifetime rather than have people churn out after two or three months right i mean it's a crazy game i got one short story before we end it <laughs> so because i've been doing a lot more local consulting with like the podcasting stuff the youtube stuff the blogging stuff I met with, and this is this is just a crazy story about how people perceive value and, and price. So there's this local girl. She's a quote unquote social media guru. She's you know, and she's a nice nice girl, whatever. Uh, probably does great work. I see her all over the place, but I saw her trying to launch a WordPress website, 
and she was struggling with it. She'd be openly talking about how the struggles of WordPress, da, 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 da. She couldn't figure out how to do all this stuff. She ended up going to Wix, build something on Wix. Then I heard her complaining about Wix. So then she was back to WordPress, right? And she was asking people on Facebook, hey, where, you know, who can I just hire somebody local? I need to get this off the ground. She wants to do all the same stuff, membership, uh, eBooks, all this stuff. So I met with her. So as an experimentation, right? She's like, I'll pay you whatever you want. Like I'll pay your consulting fee. I said, okay, well, let's meet. So as an experimentation, what I did was I set up a gravity form and I said, uh, and I didn't tell her this, but I set it up before we met and I said, uh, field number one, you did a good job, Matt. You really helped me out. 50 bucks. Great job. Uh, you answered all the questions and everything I needed and more hundred bucks. Amazing job. My business is on the way to blah, 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 200 bucks. So I meet with her I spent two and a half hours with her, Brian. I logged into her her WordPress website, and she had that little check mark in WordPress that says "discourage search engines from indexing your website." Right? She didn't have Google Analytics. She didn't have Google Webmaster. She had no idea. She didn't have Mailchimp. She didn't have all this stuff. She's a social media person, and she's helping people build webs. I do all this stuff two and a half hours. Okay, well, how much do I owe you? you know, all you have to do is go to this page, matreport.com/slash/whatever, and you pe- and you just pick whatever you want. Okay, Matt. Two days go by, she still hasn't paid me. Three days go by, I just say, hey, hope everything was well, is going well. Just want to let you know, here's the link again. She paid me 50 bucks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, I love it. You know, you just never know. Like, and, and we had conversations before she left that uh, she's like, nobody wants to pay. Like, everybody wants everything for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Little did she know that the, the follow-up was going to come a, a couple right. days later. Right. So, you know, it, I left that experimentation. Like, let's see what people pick. When faced with 50, 100, or 200, and after me sitting down with them face-to-face for two and a half hours, what can I get from the local market? So far, for one experiment, I've gotten 50 bucks. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I like it. And, and did she see that, like, up front before she met? Or She didn't see it up front. She didn't know what I charge. I mean, I, I, at that point, I probably could have said it's 200 bucks, right? And she probably would have paid me, right? She probably would have paid me. But it's when, when given the option away from me, you know, at, at her own leisure to pay me, not only did, what, did it take her three days to pay me, and she was 20 minutes late to our meeting, she paid the cheapest option. <laughs> I, I think that there are so many more people who would be willing to pay for just answers to their questions. Like, look over my shoulder and tell me what I'm doing wrong. That's worth $200 or more. I mean, I've, I've paid for services like that with Facebook ads, like just review what I'm doing. And like that stuff is so valuable. And you don't even need like a huge audience to make some money with that sort of thing. Just reach the people who have that sort of problem. Anyway, that's that's a whole conversation for another day. But uh, Matt, thanks so much for uh, for taking the time. I mean, wow, we really covered a lot of ground here with a lot of actionable insights. This, this show might have the most links to tools and, and whatnot in it. <laughs> And half of them will be to your businesses. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for, for coming on. And I guess where people can kind of follow along with you, of course, mattreport.com. Where, where else can people tune in? Yeah, I mean, the number one place, uh, mattreport.com or crafted by Matt, like craft beer, craftedbymatt.com has all the links to everything that I do. Very cool. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Brian. Hey, uh, before you go, have you checked out my YouTube channel yet? I've been posting short videos where I answer questions that come in from readers of my newsletter. You got a question that you want me to answer? It could be about business, entrepreneurship, productizing, life, whatever. Hit reply on any of the emails that I sent you recently and I'll add it to the queue. What's up? You're not on my newsletter yet? Well, get on it. Head over to my site, castjam.com. That's where you'll find it. Okay, until next time. See you.